Eric made a comment this morning. He said, I, I have room for Jesus in my heart. And this was the first year that I made room for him in my life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to talk about making room for Jesus. How many of you are looking forward to Christmas? Put your hands up for me, right? I am so looking forward to that very morning where we get up. And my little daughter, Ashley, as she has no front teeth right now, she's getting ready to say, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. And we laugh at her every time she gets ready to open gifts. And, and Haley, it's such a joyous, joyous time. But I don't know about you, but our family, many times when we get together, either with my in-laws, the hookers, or my side of the family, the overs, we start every Christmas morning by reading through Luke chapter 2, which recounts the birth of the Christ. Do you do that? Do you do that in your homes? Good. The rest of you? Sinners? That's okay. I'm just teasing you this morning. I'm just teasing you here this morning. I'll try to be as brief as we can. I know our time is fleeting and uh, it's been great so far this morning. But we want to get to this story. When we think about the birth of Christ, we look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew doesn't give us a whole lot. Mark gives us really nothing. John, he begins by saying the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But it's Luke that gives us the full story. He's the one that seems to be the historian of the bunch. And if you know anything about the book of Luke, it was written to a person named Theophilus. What we know about Theophilus, he was someone that was part of the Roman government, maybe a high leader. Some believe that he was the viceroy. And Luke writes this story. He writes the book of Luke for the behalf and for the, the help to Theophilus. And really what it is, is if you put this whole story into perspective, he's trying to help Theophilus, which actually means lover of God, to understand that Jesus, though many people thought he was this earthly kingdom he was going to set up, they didn't understand it was a heavenly kingdom. And Luke is trying to explain to Theophilus, listen, Jesus is no threat to the Roman government. He is the king of all kings. He's here to reign on a higher level than a government level. He's here to reign in our hearts. And as Luke begins to tell the story, we catch it up in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you follow along with me this morning. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. As we read that story, some of you out here this morning are deep thinkers. And you look at that story and you say, this question, where's the innkeeper? Did you know we've actually made that story up? Nowhere in God's word is there a dialogue of the innkeeper. And that troubles some of you because you were that person that showed up with your dad's bathrobe on. And you stood behind the cardboard box. And the knock came on the door and you walked out, shook your head. And walk back in. And you were done. That's all you had to do. But I'm here to say, Eric, stand strong this morning. 
we have your back, you innkeepers. We have your back. Because the fact is, this next thing, there must have been something or someone that told them there was no room in the inn, correct? There must have been that innkeeper, that person, and we make this guy look bad, this awful innkeeper that made Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus sleep out in the cold. But you know what? It was going to happen that way no matter what, no matter what the, the innkeeper said. And the great thing was that it all began in Bethlehem. See, here it is this morning. All Jesus needed was a place to start. All he needed was a place to start. And here today, all he needs is a place to start in your hearts. If you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All he needs is a place to start. Let's talk about Bethlehem very, very briefly. The, the thing that is most widely known about Bethlehem is that that is where David came from, right? That is where David grew up, where he was uh, a child, where he learned to take care of sheep, where he learned to, to uh, work a sling, all those kinds of things. And then we find out that Jesus will also come from Bethlehem. If you were to go to Bethlehem, I've never been there before. Pastor Dave and Monica, I'm guessing maybe you guys have been there. It's still to this day a fairly small town. From what I understand, about 25,000 people. There was nothing that special about it for a certain amount of time. When you think about where we look at this, this story right now in Luke chapter 2. There was at one time a great ruler among the children and the people of Israel, and that was David. And Solomon took over. And the grandkids even led for a while. But there was many, many years where it came to a point where there was a break. God judged the people. There was nothing great happening. And Bethlehem was not anything that was well known in those times, in that time period. And that is why this chapter in Isaiah chapter 11 is so important. If you want to turn there, otherwise we'll look at it this morning. As, as Israel, the people of Israel, it was, it was cut down basically. And it says in, in verse 1 and also in, in chapter 11 verse 10, it talks about in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to his people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. In verse 1 it talks about that he that Jesus would come from a stump of Jesse. When we think about this children, this nation of Israel, they were judged, they were cut down. Uh, Isaiah gets done talking in chapter 10 about them being a forest of trees that was cut down. But out of that remnant, or that, that being that no longer is alive, comes this root of Jesse. And that root is Jesus Christ. The child that we read about. Micah 5.2, it says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah. That is so important because there are several Bethlehems at this time. And Micah pinpoints it. He says, Bethlehem Ephratah. He gives us the exact Bethlehem where this is going to happen. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. You know, it didn't, it didn't matter what the innkeeper was going to say because the prophets had foretold when and how in the humble beginning of the baby Jesus. Let's go a little bit further into his life. As he became a, a young child and eventually an adult and started his earthly ministry, he began to have more and more conversations with people. 
more and more conversations with people to get this idea across to them this morning to make room for them in their hearts. To make room for him in their hearts. We see one of the very first conversations as he begins to grow into a, a young lad. If you remember this, the conversation at the Feast of Passover. When he's 12 years old, his parents take him back to Jerusalem. And they're there for the Feast of Passover. And what happens? They begin to leave and they go a day's journey. And they suppose that he is with the company there, the friends and relatives. They don't think much of it until after a whole day's journey. And then they realize Jesus is not with them. So they go back to Jerusalem. After three days, they finally find him where? In the temple. He's in the temple. And when we read in scripture in Luke chapter 2, that he's there and he's listening and he's asking questions. And these men are amazed at how much he knows. And his parents show up. And what is it that Mary and Joseph say? Son, why have you done this to us? We've been looking for you everywhere. And he says, why do you look for me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? And it says that Mary and Joseph didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't understand what he was saying. If you read to the very end of that passage, that Mary went away and she kept all those things in her heart. So he even began to share this great message with his parents about what he had come to this earth to do, to make room for him, to make room for him. Let's go to another conversation. We think about his disciples as he began to start his earthly ministry. He came to Simon Peter and Andrew. You know this story well. And he simply says to them, come and follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. You know what's interesting about the baby Jesus? And as he becomes the, the man that we know, the God-man, when he comes to people, he never tells them to clean up all these things in their hearts and lives. Many times what he would simply say is, just come and follow me, come and follow me, come and follow me. And he says that to his disciples, and I will make you fishers of men. What about his conversation with Nicodemus? Nicodemus comes to him with a childlike faith. I think of my daughter, my little one, Ashley. She began to pray when she was a little child before she had even come to Jesus Christ. And she was praying and she said, Dear Lord Jesus, went through a prayer and she closed it. I've told some of you this before, but she closed her prayer by going, Amen, Jesus, God, and Santa Claus. <laughs> and as I'm waiting for fire from heaven to consume our house, I said, No, no. You're mixed up, Ashley. Okay, Santa Claus is not on the same level as Jesus and God. And we look at this story this morning with Nicodemus. He kind of comes to Jesus and he's a little bit mixed up, right? Jesus tells him, most assuredly, if you want eternal life, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, I can see him shaking his head. Born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? This, this can't be. And Jesus replies to him and says, listen, you're, you're the teacher of Israel. How can you not understand these things? And he has to kind of correct Nicodemus' uh, theology here and thought and, and get to this point. And that's where it comes about this verse that so many of us know. And it's, it's posterized at sporting events all over the place. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? everlasting life. But then he goes on one more verse to explain it even deeper, and he says, but Nicodemus, God did not send me, his son, into this world to condemn this world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nicodemus, it's me. 
You make room for me in your hearts, in your heart, and you will have everlasting life. Here's another one. This one is so, so important. Jesus in his conversation with the woman at the well from Samaria. Do you remember this one? He goes to her and he says, woman, will you give me drink? And they begin this dialogue, go through this whole, whole story. We don't have time to go into it this morning. But basically, she realizes that this is the Messiah. He says some stuff back to her about how many husbands she's had and the one that she's with is not her husband right now. And she says, I perceive, sir, that you are a prophet. And Jesus begins to explain, no, I am the one. I am the coming Messiah. The one that you talk about, I am he. You know what happens? Is she goes back to her hometown, to that, into that city, and she says, men and children and women, come and see this man that knew everything about me and told me everything that I've ever done. And what happened because she made room in her heart is it says that many of the people of that city came to believe in Jesus Christ. Just because of one decision, one little place that Jesus was able to start in someone's heart. Because of this woman at the well. Another one that we have, and this one doesn't turn out so well, is the conversation that Jesus has with the rich young ruler. We know this story. He comes to Jesus and he says, good master, a good teacher, and asks him a few questions. How is it that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus talks through this whole scenario with him and comes to that point where he says, listen, one thing you lack, and he got right down to the heart issue. He says, leave all those possessions that you have, take up your cross, and follow me. And what happens? The rich young ruler walks away sad. He couldn't do it. Instead of him having his possessions, his possessions had him, right? He couldn't make room for Christ in his heart. If you're here this morning and you've never made room for that little baby, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we want to encourage you to make that decision today. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your entire life to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior there's one more story I want to hit on this morning before we close. And this is the conversation that Jesus has with the criminal on the cross. As he's coming to the very final point of his earthly ministry where he is going to come to the cross, he's going to finish this great work that he began in Bethlehem that we just read about. It begins to be one criminal on this side of the cross or one side of the cross that begins to mock him and say, Oh, King of the Jews, but yet you can't save yourself. And then the other one says to him, why do you not even respect God? Do you make fun of this man? And he turns to Jesus, the criminal on the cross, and he says what? Father, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says back to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You know what's neat about that story is Jesus didn't say, now wait, you got to do this, or you got to do this, or you got to do this, you got to do this. He simply just said, in a sense, make room for me in your heart. You're there. You believe in me. See, that's the greatest thing about the Christmas story today. Is that not that we need to come find him and look for him, but that he's already come to us. And all we've got to do is accept him into our hearts and lives. It is a joy for me to work with our students at the church here. I look at this story and I think about how exciting it must have been 
for Christ to be on the cross, to almost be finished with the work. And yet people are still coming to the saving knowledge of him, right? I think about working with our students. We went to Reverb, an all-nighter, a few months ago, the first part of November. And as we're done with the hockey game, the gospel is shared much like today. And there were several, four from our church, that raised their hands at the invitation. And I can remember two of our girls that got up with their friend as she had raised her hand to trust Jesus Christ. They're here this morning. And they began to walk up these steps. And they got ready to go out through this little hallway and go to a lobby area where this young lady would get counseled. And I remember two of our girls, they, as they went past me, they looked at me and they're like, Tio, you remember that, ladies? And we were so excited because someone had just made room for Jesus Christ in their heart and life. Church, that's what it's all about this morning. Share one verse with you in closing. Romans 5, 8 says this, and many of you know it well. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. So amidst all the craziness of this Christmas season, Kathy and trying to put together the Christmas play this morning, and Mrs. Moody with last week putting together the children's program which went phenomenal and all these other things that we have coming about us this Christmas season getting together with friends and relatives and making the food and making sure everything's right and making sure the picture is just so we have to make room for Jesus Christ in all of it so here's the question this morning he just wants a place to start will you make room